Welcome to Natural Kids Health Podcast, hosted by board-certified health practitioner Fraser Bridgman. Fraser shares how she went from world judo and jiu-jitsu champion to dedicating her life to helping her daughter Michaela, who was struggling with life-threatening health issues. After helping her daughter get her health back, she has become a world-renowned health coach. Fraser now shares how you can help your own family achieve the health and wellness goals they deserve. Now here's Fraser. Hi, welcome to Natural Kids Health. Thank you for joining me again today. Today we're talking about depression. It is something that is an epidemic in our society and it really hits close to home to me. For me, this is one of an area of expertise that I would just wish that I could zone in and become a niche person in the field of depression for adolescent girls. It's always been a passion of mine. It started first in martial arts, um, how I would like to teach women who have and young women who have been through any kind of traumatic event and wanting to teach them self-defense. And I have did that and I zoned in on that for a few years. And I really saw young women who were battling with depression based from a lot of trauma to really grow and to watch them flourish and become, have more self-confidence. And I just, it really, it really spoke to my heart at how important it is to really get these young women and children the help that they need when they're battling such a difficult time in their lives. And depression is not, you know, you always have this old school mentality, the odd person who believes like, oh, they should just snap out of it. They, why don't they just be happier? I, I know that 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 stigma still exists today, but the fact is it's just not that simple. There is a chemical process going on within their brain that they can't just snap out of it. And I think that creating a world where we're more aware of the science behind depression and also how relevant it is in today's society, it can help us just to help these people and these children who who need it the most. And according to statistics of the U.S. alone, there are 3.2% of kids now ages 3 to 17 who have been diagnosed with depression. And these estimates are based on pure diagnosis. So it doesn't include the children suffering from symptoms of depression themselves and at home. Maybe they haven't been able to get the diagnosis or have gone to see doctors yet. But this is just the minimum amount of children in the ages that are suffering from depression. And it can be a very debilitating problem that it can really, really hinder a child's growth and obviously quality of life. What leaves them to the most risk? So who is at most risk for getting depression and being diagnosed with depression? So on the top of the list, we have family history. If you have a parent or a child has a parent with a genetic predisposition, we call it, if their family members have had depression, they have a higher risk factor for sure of also getting depression. It doesn't mean that they will get depression, but their risk factor is higher than someone who comes from a family who doesn't have a family or a generation of depression. Next, we go into chronic stress. So when we think of kids, often we think, oh, kids are in this like area and time of their lives where they're footloose and fancy free. They have no responsibilities. Like what could they possibly be stressed about? But 
the matter of the fact is kids actually have all their own stresses similar to the adult life, but in their childhood life. So family stresses, of course, parental fighting or sibling fighting, of course, children even in the schoolyard, you know, get picked on. There's bullying. That's really become something in society that we're more aware of recently. It still happens all the time. And it is a, a big problem. So there's all sorts of types of stress that children actually do have to face on a day-to-day basis. And this chronic stress is children, they're not as prepared and they don't have the same coping mechanisms as we do as adults when we have learned over years how to overcome stress or how to manage it or how to deal with it in a healthy way, where when young kids are under a lot of stress, it can often lead to depression sooner because their ability in there, as we'll talk about later, but their their ability to have a reservoir of energy and uh, is, is smaller when you're a child. And the next thing that can lead and be a high risk factor is, of course, having a history of trauma in one's life. So children who have undergone things of very traumatic events often are much more prone to being diagnosed with depression. And that just goes hand in hand with along with the lines of stress. But sometimes it's like a moment in time, a one big traumatic event, not necessarily chronic stress, but this one moment of event, whether it be abuse or a car accident. I mean, there's so many different things that happen that just trigger your brain to all of a sudden be depleted of what you can refer to as happy chemicals. So the next thing is gender, believe it or not. So girls are actually twice as likely as boys to be diagnosed with depression. Whether or not it's because hormones and girls have a different hormone system and they, they go through it earlier in puberty or not, it's kind of still under research. But definitely there is a high, higher likelihood, a twice as high likelihood as a girl getting or being diagnosed with depression than a boy. But boys, of course, still lots of, you know, lots and lots of boys still dealing with depression. And the fifth risk factor is actually poor nutrition. So this is, of course, like a big area of mine where I just like wish I could talk about all the time and drive everybody nuts about how important good quality nutrition is, especially from a very, very young age. This is a leading factor in depression. I mean, this is something that we have control over. We don't necessarily have control over our family and our genetics. We don't always have control over our stress amount in our lives. We don't have control over the trauma that happens to us or our children. And we don't have control over whether or not we are born a boy or a girl. But we do have control over, and especially as parents have control over for our children, our ability to feed them healthy, healthy food. So I always go back to it and almost every topic for me comes back to our, if, if nutrition has been proven in science to help a symptom, I'm going to be a massive advocate of just teaching the importance of nutrition. And I've done podcasts on Nutrition 101, let's say, and I really think and I advise you if you haven't heard it to go back and just listen to it, just the basics of nutrition and the importance of eating a healthy, well-balanced, whole grain diet, very limited processed foods, food dyes and nitrates, get rid of those things. All of those things have been proven to really make disease worse within the body. And if you those kids, young kids are eating these things at a young age, it can really hinder their health. So what happens if depression goes untreated? Well, 
it's a very sensitive subject, of course, for many people. We don't like to talk about the things that are ugly and and scary, but there has been a huge rise in teenage suicide over the years. So undiagnosed or untreated depression can often lead to suicidal attempts. Suicide has now become the third leading cause of death in adolescents aged 15 to 24. And it is actually the sixth leading cause of death in ages 5 to 15 years old. That statistic blows my mind and makes me feel so sad for a world that has children who are that depressed and going that depressed for so long that they feel like they would rather take their own lives than live another day. And I have had a lot of circumstances in my life and people that I love dearly who have attempted suicide and who have actually gone through a suicide. And even in my life, going through depression myself, I had suicidal thoughts. So I fully understand the process and how it's not just something that you hear about, but it is something that happens each and every day and it has to be taken seriously. It's, it's, it's so important and it's, it's scary, but there are things that we can do that can, of course, help and minimize hopefully the effects over time and help these children who are suffering lead healthy, happy lives down the roads. So early onset of depression often leads, if it's not treated, into adulthood, into very often correlated with alcohol and drug abuse. And of course, in these years, extreme difficulty in school. So what are the symptoms? If you're wondering and you're sitting there as a parent, well, I don't know if my child's depressed. Like, what are the signs? Like, you wonder and you're not sure. Some of the leading signs that you'll see are often temper tantrums and outbursts, just irrational behavior sometimes, you can say. Any changes in sleep patterns often are a big red flag. So insomnia, big red flag. Something's going on where your child's brain is not now acting as it once was, or maybe they've always struggled in this department. Sometimes you actually see children just start sleeping all the time. They're just shutting down. Their brain doesn't want to deal or cope anymore with whatever is causing it to have these symptoms, whether it's the stress or or whatnot. And again, whether it's poor nutrition and they're just exhausted and not getting the chemicals that they need to process in their brain, the feelings and the emotions that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Next is a withdrawal. A lot of kids end up withdrawing, whether they withdraw from academics and they have a lower academic performance compared to what they once had, but also you see it in their friendships they disengage from the things that they once liked. So maybe they used to love sports or they used to love doing certain activities and now they're really not finding any joy or they have a real lack of interest in doing any curricular activity. And of course, you're going to see them just being tired all the time. Maybe they were once an energetic kid and they're just they're more listless now. They have just less energy. They look fatigued and they really don't know why. And of course, you can see a change in appetite. Some kids don't feel like eating anymore. They have no appetite where some kids, they just want to eat all the things. I know I'm a a, a feelings eater. If I'm upset, I, I want to eat all the things. And so some people are definitely like that. And then you have the opposite where some people absolutely can't stomach food and they stop eating and then they have weight loss and you'll see. 
And of course, a big sign is just a chronic overall sadness and hopelessness that they just feel sad and they feel that they just, there's no desire in life to really achieve things or to do things. And they just have a general feeling of like a dark cloud over them all the time. And it kind of goes wherever they go. And it kind of, you can feel it and it makes you feel down. That's a big, a big red flag that your child definitely needs to be seen by their primary care provider. I definitely say when it comes to depression, like I would rather see a child go into their doctor and like have a thorough examination of all explanation of all their symptoms and things that you see as a parent to be sure that it do they need to be treated. There are many medications that can help with depression. And we're going to talk about this in a few minutes a little more in detail of my point of view on it. But, you know, you don't want to mess around with this. This is something that perhaps if they have a deep, dark depression, they need to get treated so that they can do the other things in the meantime that can then maybe cure them long-term, like therapy. Like there's tons and tons of research about cognitive behavioral therapy and how helpful it is for adults and children dealing with depression that they can definitely learn coping mechanisms that help them deal with stresses of life and then also have to have an improved outlook on things, whether when bad things happen, but also in their day-to-day living on how to kind of look at things differently in a more positive way. And this is a therapy that takes time, but again, scientifically proven, very important in their process of getting well. The third thing on my list is, of course, improving nutrition that we kind of briefly talked about. There are numerous studies of different specific nutritional supplements that can help. And we're going to go into that in a minute, but definitely improving their overnutrition, making sure they're getting lots of fruits and vegetables, et cetera. The next thing is when we've talked about this on my last podcast, but increasing physical activity. So there's definitely a high correlation with like getting someone who is feeling down and depressed that if you can get them being active and sometimes there's that bridge there's like a gap that it's very very difficult when they're very depressed to really get them in any sense motivated to do physical activity so sometimes that's where i think that you know medication can come in i, I don't sit here and i don't diagnose or i don't claim to cure anything. I'm just giving like a well-rounded what I would do and what I've studied to be helpful. So sometimes I think medication really is that bridge where you it takes you from the down, down bottom to give you time to then get the therapy, talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, while you really work on improving their nutrition and changing their their kind of healthy lifestyle, where then you can get them to have enough energy and desire to maybe get them to increase their physical activity. Because physical activity, without doubt, has been proven to increase your happy, feel-good hormones and to decrease the symptoms of depression. And I think it's really important to really advocate that that is an important part of the overall healing process of depression. And then of course, what I would do, of course, if it was me or for my child, is I would look, okay, well, what can I do above and beyond these things to really figure out how did we get here? Is there something on a 
level that I can find through functional medicine testing to determine is there a root cause? Is there a root cause imbalance other than the things that we're saying that perhaps has contributed to where we are today with depression? So perhaps it, you want to go and you look at their organic acids. A simple at-home urine test, maybe they have a yeast overgrowth. Maybe they were on a lot of antibiotics as a child. Maybe they have a, an, a poor vitamin profile. Maybe they have a mood disorder that has a genuine hormone imbalance. There's different tests that you can do for this. Even heavy metals can build up in a person's body and create symptoms of depression. So I would do an organic acid test at home, a heavy metal test. And if your child is past puberty, I would do a complete stress and mood and metabolic test at home, which is just a simple saliva test. And of course, I wouldn't be complete, to be honest, if I didn't say I would also do a food sensitivity test. Because when I think of most symptoms of disease, I think of inflammation in the body. And definitely if someone is eating foods that they're sensitive to and they don't know it because it's not a food allergy, it can build up inflammation. And this depression is on that list where I would definitely want to make sure that I've covered all of my bases because it's, you know, something that you don't want to leave any door opened, in my opinion. So, of course, I would recommend reviewing the nutrition podcast. I would definitely add in a whole, a very good functional medicine, either a daily nutritional shake that has all the multivitamins and minerals that your child needs for the day. So making sure that they get in, and not just any quality, don't go out and just buy any quality, but get a really high-end functional medicine multivitamin that your child takes every day. Like fill in those gaps of where the diet might lack while the diet gets better. It, it's very difficult to have a perfect diet, especially in today's society, where we're just our, our nutrition is, our food is depleted in poor soil, et cetera. And we'll go into that in more detail in another one. But of course, just getting that multivitamin that can help fill in those gaps in the meantime. And there is a lot of research, of course, on specific vitamins that have come out in the medical field that have been in controlled studies that really show a high likelihood of increasing or decreasing, of course, depression symptoms, increasing quality of mood and behavior. So that is, of course, it is actually very similar to the immune protocol that we talked about in the last podcast, but there's definitely a lot of statistics showing that taking D- C and zinc, people who take this combination of supplements have shown to experience a higher sense of well-being and have a reduction in the severity of their depressive symptoms. So really important to just in the beginning, and I mean this again, really good for immunity, also good for signs and symptoms of depression. B vitamins are also highly linked. So having a low level of B vitamins, especially B12 and folate, which is B9, are important in like maintaining a healthy nervous system and brain health and are both important in producing serotonin and dopamine, which is often the chemicals in the brain that get depleted and lead to depressive symptoms. Research from the Mayo Clinic actually has, it's just a lead in many medical institutes that are now obviously looking into depression and doing a lot of research have seen a big link and a correlation with low B vitamins and depression. So something that if you're not getting that your child on a really good functional 
multivitamin, at least have them on a, a B vitamin. I really think that it's super important. And then next, magnesium. Magnesium is a very calming effect on the body, and it has been proven in studies to be as nearly as effective as antidepressants in some studies. It blocks the action of the glutamate in, on the NDMA receptors in the brain, which is how now research believes that this is how magnesium leads to this improved mood and just calming action. And of course, last on the list, uh, Harvard actually published a study in 2018. It was a really, really well done study. It had brought in research from years and years of different things. And there was two different types of omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, that had very high potential and benefits for children and adults suffering from mood disorders. So getting your child on a really high quality omega-3 multivitamin, maybe some additional B vitamins in the beginning process. And of course, that immune protocol that has, there's tons of research showing that how much it helps with depression, D, C, and zinc. And of course, getting your child to see your, their primary caregiver, sorry, primary doctor and getting them into therapy. So that's where we're going to leave it for today. I really wanted to talk about just briefly, what I see as what is depression like. So to me, it's like a wooden barrel that holds a big reservoir of water. So it's, you know, it rains and it gets filtered and it gets put into this reservoir. So whenever you're thirsty, you go to this reservoir and you drink whenever you need it. But all of a sudden, like you're running all these marathons. So let's marathons are like stress. You're running all these marathons, so you're really extra thirsty. So you're going and you're drinking, drinking lots and lots and lots of water out of this reservoir. And all of a sudden, at the same time, it stops raining. So it stops to getting replenished. And over time, the reservoir, the, this wooden barrel, becomes bone dry. And now you're so thirsty. You're so thirsty, and there is no water. And the wood gets so dry that it begins to crack. So now you have cracks. So even if some water goes back into the barrel, it can't hold the water. It can't reserve the water for when you need it in the future because it just drains through, drains through the cracks. So to fix the problem, you actually have to go and you have to first start with filling the cracks and then replenishing it with water. And then slowing down the body to say, maybe you don't need to do so many marathons. For me, that helps show the picture of that. It's such a big picture that you can't just do necessarily one thing and how over time our brain gets depleted from all the stress and traumas and expectations and poor nutrition and how all these factors work together and eventually deplete our brain of what it needs to function on a happy, healthy level. And it's not just a Band-Aid fix. You can't just throw water back in. You actually have to go back on a functional level and figure out how to heal the cracks so that the water stays in there and eventually overflows into what becomes as another healthy, happy, joyful, filled person. And it's very possible to do. It just takes time and patience and filling all the holes at the same time and making sure that you have a well-rounded approach to helping these children. And I hope that really helps you. And I really hope that if there's anyone dealing with depression that you know, or that you will just really send this to them. And I hope that it helps you. And if you have any questions or comments, I would just love to hear it. I'm here to help at any time. Thank you and have a great day. We'd love for you to continue listening on your journey to developing happy, healthy kids. 
please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Need one-on-one guidance for your family? Schedule a free consultation with Fraser at FraserBridgman.com and we'll be thrilled to work with you. Again, that's FraserBridgman.com. Thanks for listening to Natural Kids Health with Fraser Bridgman.